No, not on my, not on my phone, right? Okay, we good. So, uh, the title for today's message is The Only Gospel, all right? And so we're going to be in Galatians, so if you want to turn with me to Galatians 1, we're going to be reading through verses 3 uh, through 10. And so what I've been kind of noticing, I didn't read all the way through the whole book and really try to figure this out, but uh, you know, I've read, obviously read through it before, and as I've been studying these first couple of chapters, it seems to me that the theme of Galatians is pretty simple. It's the gospel the purity of the gospel, and what that looks like in our lives. And so today we're going to be, again, in in verses 3 through 10. So if you'd like to read along with me. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert, uh, pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have preached, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. All right, so... It's very interesting. The last song that we were playing, man, there was a, one of the lines. It was deep, man. Uh, what, what was it exactly? He was saying, let me see the beauty of the scars that you're wearing for me. Man, that, is, I, I, that was so deep. And, you know, I, didn't, I just kind of chose those songs like out of a hat. I didn't really, you know, read through all the lyrics. But I think that fits perfect with what we're talking about tonight because we're going to be talking about the gospel. And... I want y'all to to, to consider something. I'm going to say this a couple of times because I really want it to sink in, okay? The only gospel, there's only one, okay? The only gospel is a simple gospel, okay? The only gospel is a simple gospel. But before I explain what I mean by that, I want to just start again in verse 3. Paul starts by saying grace, right? So he's saying, you know, grace is is getting those things we need and giving above what we deserve, right? It's like blessing and abundance, grace, okay? Grace and peace from God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to just stop right there, and I want us to take a second and, and think about that. We have to understand really what Paul, even in, <laughs> in verse 3 of this dang book, man, what Paul is offering and what he is speaking into our lives right now, grace and peace from God, that is an extremely heavy statement. Now, for, you know, the people who are here who, 
you know, they know Christ and they go to church two or three times a week and, you know, this is their life. That, 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 might, that may sound like, okay, that's not very heavy, right? <laughs> I don't, like I've read this before. Okay, well, good for you. But <laughs> I want you to understand what he's saying. He's not saying grace for a moment. Grace for your need. Grace in your job. Not peace here at church with us. Peace in the assembly. Peace for tonight. Grace and peace from God, the Almighty who created heavens and earth with a breath, a word, right? One who was ever present, who was always with you day in and day out while you're awake and while you sleep. Peace and grace from God. Now, that's a very huge statement simply because of this. The world in general does not offer grace. How much grace did you get when you went to court, Vincent? You get a whole lot of grace from the judge on any of those charges? <laughs> Not too much, huh? He took a plea. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. You know how the world works? You get what you deserve. Pretty simple concept, right? You commit a crime, you get caught, guess what happens? You get fined, if you're lucky. You go to jail. Right? Your property can get confiscated. You get what you deserve. It's a very simple concept. Okay? Guess what? You want to eat? You better either work, grow your own food, or work to get the money to pay for it. You don't grow your own food. You don't have money to pay for your food. You don't eat. You get what you deserve. Right? You want to progress. You want to progress through life. You want to be somebody. You want to have a career. You have to work for those things. Nobody is going to come and hand me a Fortune 500 CEO position. You know what? If you know someone offering that, please give them my phone number. But <laughs> that is a level of grace that you are not going to find anywhere on this planet. You get what you deserve, and that's been that way since the beginning of time. And in the same way, the world really does not offer peace. You know what, what life consists of? We come into this, this earth as, a, as an infant. We work constantly. We strive for the things we want, right? And no matter how much you get, no matter how hard you strive in this life, the only outcome is deterioration, destruction, and death. That's it right? So where's the peace in that? Even the peace you do get, if you get to a couple hours of sleep, guess what? You wake up and it's time to go back to work. <laughs> How depressing, right? Man, I know, right? <laughs> Got to get you to understand, right? And even religion. Religion offers no grace or peace. Check this out. I know a little bit about, about uh, different religions outside of Christianity. In Islam, <laughs> Hinduism, Buddhism, all these different things, uh, they're, they're real big on you get what you deserve. In fact, in Hinduism, if, if, you see a, if you see a child out in the street and his bones are, are broken and sticking out of his skin and he's hungry and he's on the verge of death, you are not allowed to help that child because something they did in a past life was so horrible that they were born into the situation and you have to let them suffer and die so that they can be reincarnated into a better life. In Islam, you steal, they cut your hand off, right? You commit adultery, you get stoned to death. Um, but even Buddhism, you know, all it is is about striving to really, for what? To be nothing. In all these religions, 
even, even in atheism, you know, there's all these things, and there's really no benefit. There's no personal God. There's no guarantee for your hope. Even in Islam, there's no guarantee you're going to go to heaven. Your best chance is to die in the jihad and hope that Allah was happy with your sacrifice. Hope he was happy. There's no guarantee, right? In Hinduism, Buddhism, even atheism, obviously, the, the number one thing you can hope for is to die and not exist. You ever heard of nirvana? This nice, ah, oh, nirvana. You know what nirvana really means in religious terms? Non-existence. I'm serious. That is the best hope that this world has to offer is to not even exist. Now let's talk about the Bible. Because it's very interesting. The Bible teaches the same thing. To a point. You get what you deserve. You know, the Bible tells us that the wages of our sin is death. That because of our sinfulness, that we deserve an eternal lake of fire. The Bible teaches us that God will repay each man to his works. And in one of my favorite passages in uh, Exodus 34, 6, it teaches us that even though God is compassionate and mercy and all these things, if you go read that passage, it says, but by no means will clear the guilty. That's God describing himself. Nobody else is saying that. God speaking to Moses, describing himself. I will by no means clear the guilty. Man, so we're in a whole big pot of we're screwed, <laughs> right? So where does Paul get off saying grace and peace from God? Do you understand how huge of a statement that is now? Grace and peace, not for a moment, but from God? Man. You see, Paul can say that because our God is good. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 5 that God sends rain on the just and the unjust, and the sun rises on the good and the evil, right? But the real answer to how can Paul say something like this, right? The real answer is what we call the gospel, and that's the whole foundation of the book of Galatians. And all gospel means is good news, okay? And here it is. Galatians 3, verses 3 through 5. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And see, that's the kicker, guys. Because apart from Jesus Christ, we would get exactly what we deserved. And trust me, the truth is apart from Christ, your best hope is not non-existence. Your best hope is eternal existence in a lake of fire that never ends. That is what it looks like for a human to get what he deserves. doesn't matter who you are, right? But see, it says that Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. One of the things a lot of people, um, I think, have a misconception about is that, you know, because of this guy, Jesus, we can say, Lord, forgive me, and 
you know, we just get off free. It's like, it's like none of the sins we ever committed, none of the horrible things anybody's ever done, none of that matters anymore, right? God is just like, well, okay. Does that kind of sound like what maybe you think or what maybe you've heard? Well, then, okay, we're good. I mean, Jesus died, so we're good, right? But God is a perfect and just God, okay? So that payment for every single sin, every single offense of every human, from beginning of time to the end, that payment has to be paid. God will not clear anyone of their guilt. Now, Jesus, the Son of God, the living Word of God, God himself, in fact, knew this. And Jesus loved us so much that he looked at humanity, right? He looked at what would it cost if I, if Jesus, Jesus had, to think, had to have thought to himself, if I had to pay that penalty for every one of these sins, what would it cost? And God the Father said, your life and your blood and your payment on a cross. And you know what? Jesus got what we deserve. He took that concept and he put it on himself. Jesus took what we deserve and he paid that payment for two reasons. For one, to save us from a wrath to come, but also, as it says, to save us now from this present evil age. Can I see, who thinks that we live in an evil times? Anybody have the news? Okay, then you probably understand what I'm saying. I don't even have the news. I don't even have TV. And I know this planet is whacked out, right? He came to save us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Now, I think <laughs> for uh, all the times I've told people the gospel and all the times I've tried to explain Christ to them and, and who he was and what he did and what the Bible really teaches, it always comes down to, well, what do I do? Well, what now? And anybody who's had any experience, you know, seeing people come to salvation, I think that's a pretty common thing. It doesn't matter how good you are explaining that most of the time. But that's, that's okay. That brings a very specific question. Okay, if Jesus Christ really paid a payment for us that's going to get us to, have, to be able to have right now today in the midst of all the things going on in this world to have grace and peace with God, now and future, man, what do I got to do to get that? How much is that going to cost me, right? All Adam had to do to get a wife was a rib. So, I mean, what do I got to get for salvation? Do I get to lose an arm? What's going on? That was the short version of that joke. I'm not going to go the long one. I, I might get slapped. But um, That's the question. What does it really cost? This is the same question that led the Galatians astray. That is why Paul is writing this letter, to answer that question. What does salvation really cost you? What does it really take for you to have an open relationship with a holy, a just, and a loving God who is also a terrifying, terrifying God? And it's that same question that will keep people clouded in darkness rather than the truth. It's that same snare Satan will use, and I know for a fact has already used on several people in this room to try and get them to doubt and fall away from the faith. What does it cost? Galatians 6 through 7. For the same reason Paul writes, 
I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So what he's saying here is he goes to Galatia, he preaches, damn, that piece of gimme, he preaches the gospel, they come to Christ, and now he's gone, and he's hearing that people have come in, they've added to the gospel, they've brought a different message, and he's saying, really? So quickly you've gone astray? So quickly you've been misled? And notice he says, uh, turning away from, uh, from Christ to a different gospel. Is that on the board? Can you put that up on the board if it's not? Uh, verse 6, to a different gospel. That word different is actually the Greek word uh, heteros, which means heresy. Is every, is anybody here not familiar with that word, heresy? Basically, heresy is false teaching. It's false doctrine. Okay, Lying about God. Let's put it that way, in a sense. And he's saying, you're, <laughs> you're being led astray by a false gospel. Right? And he says, which is not another because there is no other way to be free in this life or the next except for in Christ Jesus. That's it. And when we look at this passage, we see we kind of have a, a, what's the word I'm looking for? A blueprint, if you will. Ah, I got y'all with that one, right? Uh, a blueprint, if you will, with the secret for the gospel, right? I want you to notice it says, going all the way back to verse 3, that Jesus gave himself, that he might deliver us according to the will of our God and Father. Right? And it says that these people, these Galatians, were turning from him who, what, who called you. Who called you. What does it take to enter the kingdom of God, what does it take to have that salvation that's so freely offered? Jesus gave himself that he could deliver you according to God's will, not yours. So let me ask you, just from that alone, what, is it, what does it take on our part? What can we give towards that? Turn to him. Anything else? Did he mention, you know, that one time when, you know, you took a pilgrimage or, you know, that one time when you gave a lot of money or that one time when, you know, you didn't trip that old lady and you actually helped her cross the street? No. Right? Jesus gave himself. He delivers according to God's word. And here's what I'm getting to, right? The only true gospel is a very simple gospel. And the gospel is that salvation is a miracle from God. It's that simple. If anybody here thinks that you did something really good, or because this is your, you know, 15th time to church, now you're officially saved. Vincent's got that one. You in the wrong boat. Right? I ask people all the time when I'm, when I'm talking to people, and, and people struggle, man. People are hurting on the street. You know, people are hurting in their heart, physically, whatever it is, but people are hurting. And... And they get so caught up, you know, right before they enter the, king, the kingdom, they start asking these questions, say, well, I can't do this, and I don't know if I can do this, and well, what if I mess up and do this? And I always have to stop and ask people, 
What does God need from you? Can anybody answer that? What does God need from you? Nothing. What can you do or give to God? Nothing. The Bible says that in all things, that all things consist in Christ. The reason you breathe and your heart beats is because he allows it to happen. Rather, you are in the kingdom or out of the kingdom. It is by his grace and grace alone. That's it. Has nothing to do with you. Unless, if you wake up and you crank start your, what is that, medulla obligata, whatever, then let me know and maybe we'll talk about a different gospel. But otherwise, I don't think so. Right? Salvation is a miracle from God. He prompts it. He performs it. He seals it. And guess what? God is so good, he even rewards it. And there ain't even nothing you did to work for it. Nothing we do has any part in his work or act. We are only given one command. You want to know what, what the real catch? Okay, there's a catch. I'll be honest with you. I know. I kind of I kinda worked y'all up. But really, you want to get saved? You want to get it? There is really a catch. You want to know what it is? One command we're given. Believe. That's it. Believe in the gospel. The fact that Jesus was exactly who he said he was, the living word of God become flesh. That he lived a perfect life to fulfill God's law, which we broke. Break? Broke? That was kind of a mix. Broke. And that when he died on the cross, he took your judgment and your sin, so you didn't have to. And that just as he was raised again, we will be raised in likeness with him if we simply believe. And that is the simple and true gospel, my friends. Just so you don't have to take my word for it, I have a couple of verses here that I want to highlight for us. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. And I'm sorry, I don't know if I had that on there, so it might not be on the board. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Romans 4, 4 through 5. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. John 3, 14 through 18. Man, I love these verses. People only know John 3, 16. I love all this. This is good stuff. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18. I love this verse. He who believes is not condemned. I don't care what anybody tells you. He who believes, who truly acknowledges and trusts who God is and follows that is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. But God is calling us to that belief. The fact that you are in this room tonight is because God is calling you to a very simple task, to believe in his son. And he's also calling you to preserve that message. Right? 
The simplicity of the gospel is so important, in fact, so critical to salvation that Paul, Paul goes on, verses 8 through 9. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, any other good news, any other way to heaven to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. And this is extremely prominent. I don't know if you're aware. You ever heard of uh, Jehovah Witnesses? You know what they have? They have another gospel. That's not another, because there is no other. But it's a heretical gospel. You know what they do? And it's the same thing that every other false religion does. They add to the work of Christ. They'll come to your door. They'll tell you that God loves you, and they believe in Jesus. And soon you'll find out you have to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, yada, yada, yada. And salvation is really dependent on you. If salvation was dependent on me, I'd be, I'd be out of here a long time ago. Mormons, they'll tell you they believe in Jesus. Salvation is dependent on you. If you do X, Y, Z. And I know, because I'm not just saying this. I've talked to these people. I've asked both, both, both types. If I, if I was dying tonight and I wanted to get saved right now, what would I have to do? And you know what I've been met with from both Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons and several other religions? Silence. Because unless you have time to follow their procedures, do their rituals, and be approved by man, they got nothing to tell you. And even then, what good have you done? Nothing. If anyone adds anything to the work of Christ as a requirement for you to have a union with him. Let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? <laughs> or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, if I still pleased people, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. If we find any way of justifying ourselves outside of Christ's works, we are denying all of Christ's truth. We are denying all of his work, and we become accursed. We have people in this church who have had people come to them and, and say, you know, the Bible is true. Everything you're reading is true, but God really wants you to follow the law. You really need to be eating this way to please God. You really need to be doing like this to please God, right? We have people in this church who have been approached by people to say, you know, um, <clears throat> I know you're religious and all, but if your hair is not in that bun, you ain't going to heaven. And I'm serious. That's, that's a religious thing, right? That's false. Many people will try to add to the gospel that you're not saved unless you do this, you follow this law, you eat this food, you find this secret knowledge, the Gnostics. If anybody are familiar with that, that's all what it's about. The Masonic Lodge, that's what it's about. You gotta do certain things, you gotta you know, get higher up and then you get secret knowledge, right? The lost books of the Bible. You know, I think God's a pretty good uh, accountant. I don't think he lost anything, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. Jesus' payment was enough, and it did what we can never do. 
which is satisfy God. You know, I need to memorize this verse because I talk about it all the time, but in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah actually tells us that even our most righteous deeds, even the best thing you could possibly do on this earth is like filthy rags before God. You know what filthy rags means? I ain't going to go there. It's something women deal with and men don't, okay? Filthy rags. <coughs> That's all you got. That's all you got to give to God. There ain't a whole lot of grace and peace in that, <laughs> okay? Whoa. By works, no flesh is justified. That's what you need to know. Only by obeying this, believe in Jesus Christ and surrender your will to him, the living God. And by believing, we receive salvation which is a free gift. It was given, designed, and paid for by God himself. And part of that, and it all comes down to this, back to verses three through five. So simple. Grace to you and peace from God. The Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Not that you might deliver yourself, that he might deliver us according to the will of God and Father, to whom be all glory forever and ever. Amen. Here in just a moment, we're going to go and we're going to take communion. And we are going to, um, <clears throat> we are going to testify to and remember the life, the death, and the resurrection, the real bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And before we go to that, if anybody here does not know Christ as their Savior, if they have not believed in such a way that you know if you die tonight, you will have an open welcome with the Father, you can have that now. And it's as simple as acknowledging you've got nothing to give to God. Nothing. The Beatitudes start like this, blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You've got nothing to give to God. But his promise is that if we confess our sins, he is faithful every time. And he is just because he already paid the payment to forgive us and to cleanse us of all our sins. You can have that tonight. Pray with me. Father God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I have nothing that I could ever bring to you, Lord. And if I didn't know that, I know that now, Lord, that even my most righteous deeds are like filthy rags. But, Father God, that you, you loved us so much, you gave your only son, that you, your, the living word of God became flesh to take our punishment, that the chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. So, Lord, I just say forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and be the Lord of my life. I want to know you. I want to live forever, and I don't want what the world has to offer. Forgive me. In the name of Jesus Christ. And for everyone else, Lord, I pray that you would guide us this week, that when people speak falsehood into our lives, that we would remember that the only gospel is a simple gospel, and it's all on you, not on us. Father God, that you would enlighten the hearts of these people with wisdom, with understanding, with grace and peace from you, God, that it would rule their hearts and their minds this week, and that they would have such conviction of your gospel that they'd be willing to share it with others. So, Lord, I thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.